Today, we're continuing on with uh, a good neighbor. There's 10 verses in the Bible that directly mention on how to deal with neighbors, what, you know, to love them as you love yourself, how to live around them. And so you obviously see the immediate connection of the title I have on there, Gone Fishing. Uh, yeah, it's like, well, that boy's good if he makes that stretch and connects that. So let's take, <laughs> I'm going to teach you all how to fish. Does anyone just, you know you don't fish, you don't like fishing, you're never going to fish. Raise your hand. Okay, Pastor Peter was the first one to raise his hand. <laughs> well, I want you to know you're going to learn how to fish today. And the Bible points you to being a good fisherman. So let's take a look. I'm going to give you the finer points of fishing. They're quite simple. That is a black drum. That's 35 pounds of fish. And <laughs> fish at the right time. Do you know there's wrong times? You fish at the right time. And you need, and each fish has a different time. And that time changes with weather. It's, it's quite incredible. But you fish at the right time. So the first thing you want to do is like, I just, don't do this. I feel like fishing. I'm going to go out and fish. No. You need, if, just because there's water does not mean there's a fish in it. Look at my sweet Selah. She caught herself a little brown. Fish when the fish are hungry. Fish aren't teenagers. <laughs> Teenager is hungry constantly. You can wake them up two in the morning. You hungry? Yeah, I kind of am. You know, it's like you fish when the fish are hungry, and that that has to deal. Uh, we uh, this summer we went to Canada, and when I go up there, my brother-in-law's this huge lake, it's an eighty-five mile long lake. It's called Lake of the Woods. And we go up there with a fishing guy because the fish move. And so on, on the screen, you can he'll be driving his boat. And he goes, oh, there's a whole school of fish on the bottom. We'll drop bait down to them. They won't take it. It's the right bait. It's the right temperature. But they're not hungry. We'll move 100 yards down the lake, see another school of fish, drop it down there and catch 20 fish. That some... Fish aren't always hungry. They are not teenagers. That's the one thing you'll remember about fishing. Fish aren't teenagers, whatever that means. <laughs> but a little sailor, she was so excited. She goes, she goes, you had a picture of me? I go, yes. And she goes, did, did you see the fish? That to her is 35-pound fish, right? <laughs> she is so excited. And by the way, for those who say, you see all this fishing, okay, I have... 12 other, uh, 11 other grandchildren, and they all want to go fishing with me, so you're at the back of the list. <laughs> fish where the fish are. You know, fish, uh, uh, th that's a nice mangrove snapper leave I got, and they love to be in the shade. Uh, snook love to be under in the shade. Fish, fish like a cloudy day is a better fishing day than a sunny day unless you can find a shady spot to throw your bait under. So fish where the fish are. Out in the ocean, the ocean is like a vast desert, and there are no fish in it, 
except when you come up on a structure, you know, a sunken boat, uh, debris that's been thrown in the water, or rocks, and the fish hang on the structure. That's where the fish are. If you just go out in the ocean and fish, there ain't nothing that's going to be on an end of your line. You need to know where the fish are. There's a red drum. Fish with what the fish are hungry for. <laughs> Don't put Cheerios on it and throw it out there. Do you know, at, at one time, you know, it, I need to know during the day when I'm fishing if it's going to be a live, live mullet that that red wants to eat. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes it's shrimp. Sometimes it's crab. And they desire different. So you need to fish with what the fish are hungry for. You can't force feed them. Reel them in slowly. Here's the neat thing. So <clears throat> my test is a 15 or 20 pound test, the line. That's how the, the line can, it's, it can hold up to 15, 20 pounds. So how do you catch a 35 pound fish? You have this thing called drag. And so when you catch the fish, it takes off. And, and your line is going, it's just spinning out there. But it's just enough tension to wear them out and they'll, they'll turn and you reel them in. Keep the line, you keep it just tight enough. Don't force it. If you force it, you're going to break the line. And then when the fish comes up and sees you, it takes off again. And, you, and you're like, oh, please, don't run out of line. Don't run out of line. And then, then you, and they, you wear them out. And you bring them right up to where you are, the boat where you're standing. You really keep, it, keep a line on it. And then practice, practice, practice. <laughs> because it changes. It changes with temperature of the water, temperature of the day, where the moon is. Did they feed all night last night on a full moon? <clears throat> uh, the, the tides, your bait, and you have to practice. And, and, and you're really researching. People say, you know, do you like to hunt or fish or do both? I go, fishing is hunting. It, I have to figure out where the fish are. I have to figure out what's going to bring them in, what's going to attract that fish. It's, it's my job to attract the fish. It's my job to find the fish. It's my job to know if they're hungry and what they're eating. It's, uh, if it's not hunting, you see, you have, why do people love to fish when they don't catch fish? Really? Where, Chase, where, 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 a fisherman, do you, did you enjoy your day of fishing if you don't catch fish? Absolutely, because we love the hunt. We love the hope. What might happen? What what might happen? I love it. You know, I wish I caught something, but there's the hope of catching it. There's the hunt of catching it. And when I don't catch fish, I learn something. You learn something every time to be a better fisherman next time. So, well, what I find is very, very interesting is that when Jesus went into the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil, he came out and he was walking along the Sea of Galilee and in, in that, the first four disciples that he calls, 
and, and it's, it's kind of like they had, they had the right resume. And I want to know why. The first four disciples were fishermen. That, that means something to me. That he would just say to them, yo, come on, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. What, what is it about that? Well, let, let's look. This is what they knew from, from being a child. As, as young as Selah and Levi are, they love to fish. And they're learning from that age what it takes to fish. Right now, what they've learned is go fishing with pop-hops. You're going to bring fish. But as soon as they get older, they're going to start seeing He's changing the bait. He's changing. He, I, I remember when we caught that, uh, Levi caught that fish. As soon as we got there, he goes, they go, we want to go fishing. I go, no, no, tide's got to be going out. Now, they're going to remember that one day. I said, ah, to get this type of fish, the tide's going out. To get this type of fish, the tide's coming in. Jesus, first four, he kind of got pre-trained disciples. Because the first four disciples that he called already know you fish at the right time. Fish at the right time. There's, there's a wrong time to be a witness for the Lord. There's a wrong... <laughs> don't fish if people aren't hungry to hear what you have to share. Fish where the fish are. Go where those people are that you need to talk to. Fish with what they're hungry for. I'm into cars. I'm into this. I'm into... Talk to them about cars. You into cars? Tell me. Tell me. So what, what is it you're doing with cars? Do you like racing? Do you like NASCAR? fish with what they're hungry for they want to talk about what they like to do you know I mean, it's, ladies who here really enjoys a good day of shopping tell me about it <laughs> the two little ones they'll tell me about it what's your favorite color man you want a conversation I didn't have to say anything but that you know that's it People have this hunger in them. Find out what it is they're hungry for. Find out where these people are hanging out to ask these questions. I love this one. And you know what? You're not talking about Jesus. You're not talking about... You're attracting... that Someone is interested in them. Someone that they're making a connection with emotionally. Someone's paying me attention. They connect to you. Reel them in slow. If you're going, hey, I'm going to go out tonight and get drunk. I'm going to go out here and do this. Let them run. Let them run. You got a hook in them. And when they get tired, hello. And then they get close to you. And they know you go to church. And they're afraid, oh, no, I'm not going to become one of those guys. One of those... Christians, Christ-like ones. 
and they get close enough to you and they're making a connection with you and they see that you care about them and that you're interested and they get too close and they're going to go for another run. Let them go. Because if you pull too hard, you'll break the line and they're gone. These guys were trained, pre-trained. And Jesus said, now, I'm going to make you. I know you're fishermen. Let me teach you how to fish for men. Same principles. Say, don't pull them in too hard. Let them run. Don't, don't break the relationship. Don't snap that line. You catch in the fishing part and neighbors now. <laughs> Is they all coming into play? All right. Well, I want to read in Mark. It's also in Matthew, but in Mark 16, it was, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, which is Paul, and his brother Andrew, uh, I mean Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the lake. It's it just an interesting thing is that they didn't have a boat. So it kind of says, you know what, they're, they weren't as wealthy as the sons of Zebedee. Because Zebedee, there was, uh, we'll see, but they were in a boat. They're not in a boat. You guys who fish, you know, when you see fit guys, there's the guys out in the boat fishing, and there's guys on the shore fishing. Everyone on the shore doesn't have enough money to buy a boat. The only reason they're on the shore fishing is they don't have money to buy the boat. They go every time a boat goes by, I go, one day I'm gonna have a boat like that. <laughs> and everybody's going by the boat, they're just going, Boy, I remember when I used to be there. <laughs> so, so they're on the they're on the shore. And casting their net said Jesus come follow me Jesus said and I will send you out to fish for people at once they're they're ready to leave their net why because Jesus connected with them he, he was talking about fishing they love to fish the whole idea that I can catch people what the heck does that mean do you really believe they knew they go nope but I'm I'm going on to something bigger than me. I want to connect with something that's larger than what I'm doing right now. But I know how to fish. He's just going to tell me, show me how to do it with men. So, once they left their nets and followed him, keeps going, because when he had gone a little further, he saw... James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called to them. He goes, more fishermen, they know, they, they've got a basic understanding. Without delay, he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee. <laughs> like, see, Dad, <laughs> in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. Notice it says they followed him. They followed Jesus because they noticed something about him. They had, they, they had heard about him. But it, he spoke a language that helped them to dream of something bigger and better. He spoke the language of fishing. And there was a connection. There was an invite you know, when you invite somebody over, you kind of are saying, I like you. I want you to be with me. I want to share this with you. When you invite someone, 
That's what you're saying to them. Now, I've had people invite me to stuff, and I'm going, me? You know, yeah, I, I, I want you to come with me. Doesn't that, doesn't that make you feel good? Someone says, hey, you mind coming with me today? And first, you're going to go, well, you have some mowing, you need dye or something. Like, no, I want you to come over. Well, there's an invite. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching. He was speaking in a way that they'd never seen before. And what was that? It said he did it with authority. He taught with authority. He basically, he knows what he's talking about. He, he is totally comfortable. He really believes this. We've not seen that in our teachers. You know, there's people out there going, they, need, they want to be heard. They want to have some attention. And someone was, listen, I re, could, could you tell me what it is that you really like to do? There's sincerity. They didn't teach like the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out. Now Jesus didn't say that he was the Messiah. He didn't do that. You know why? Because he's reeling in slowly. He didn't say, come, you know, I'm the Christ. I'm your salvation. He didn't. He was teaching them from the word, something that they were familiar with. They were familiar with the teaching of the law but not from someone who knew what they're talking about, who did it in authority. And so all of a sudden, this devil's going to mess it up. As if your spirit says, he cries out, what do you want with us? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. J Jesus didn't even say that. Sternly, so be careful here. Be quiet. <laughs> okay, all right. Have you ever been in a room where somebody is just doing like a child is, you know, throwing himself on the ground and no, I want ice cream. Have you ever thought to yourself, please have someone in authority come and take care of this? <laughs> and when someone comes and goes, boy, I'll give you something to cry about, you know. Oh, there I'm talking about beating children again. Um, <laughs> Pastor Peter told me, you've got to stop saying stuff like that. <clears throat> I'm old school. So, but I'll give you something to cry about, boy, you want to keep that up. And you say to yourself, oh, I'm glad somebody's here with authority. When someone walks in with authority, it brings peace. So there's some people say, oh, authority, who the heck are you? Just come in here. He's going, please take care of this child. I don't want it to be me. You know, <laughs> there's something that brings peace when someone comes in with authority. And let me tell you, when we say authority, it's not that, you know, it's telling you what to do. When someone comes in and asks you in such a way that you really feel that they want to know about you, that's someone coming in authority. I'm confident in what I'm doing when I invite you to come with me. Come! That's a person of authority. It's not like, you want to come? 
You know, nah, do you have time? No, he said, come, follow me. I'm gonna make you fishers of men. There's something about that. He comes in, it's his authority. So immediately it shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching? And with authority, he even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey. Jesus then jump in and goes, okay, let me give you the four spiritual laws. He just let them wonder and ponder for themselves because he was drawing them to him he wasn't drawing them to the kingdom he was drawing him people were interested in him we see the same thing in the apostle Paul we see it in Peter people had relationships with the disciples first they, they started a, a relationship with them and then they're introduced to the kingdom of God. What is it you're about? You know, once, once I've asked you and got, gotten, you know, comfortable with you and given you attention and make you feel valuable, then there's the reciprocal that naturally happens. They want to know what makes you you. What makes you tick? I've told the story, but it's the story's been told many times, but there's there are new people here that haven't heard it. <clears throat> Before we started the church, I worked for a Christian organization, uh, Young Life. And a young bo a boy, 15 years old, his father had passed away some weeks before. Uh, I was out of town and I knew it was his birthday, and I knew they weren't going to have a birthday for him because of the, you know, what happened in the household. And so I was coming into town. I thought, I got to go over to his house and celebrate his birthday. And I bought this little chocolate cake at Publix. Delicious little chocolate cake. <laughs> Why I have the diabetes today, delicious chocolate cake. <laughs> and I went over there, and it's like 8, 39 o'clock, and I'm embarrassed like knock on the door you know and his mother comes to the door and she goes yes you know to see this college kid uh, yeah can I go talk to your 15 year old son in the bedroom <laughs> I said I have a birthday cake for him she went sure I knock on the door Joel's getting ready to go to bed and he goes what are you doing he gave me the same look as his mother <laughs> what are you doing I said birthday bro he goes yeah you remembered you remembered how'd you know it was my birthday I care and he goes well he goes uh, we don't have anything to eat with I said we're going to eat like men he goes what's that I went he went so cool <laughs> and we ate that thing we licked our fingers and I said hey happy birthday and I left I left he lived on a cul-de-sac and I left in my German sports car powder blue Volkswagen Beetle 
it's German. It had a stick shift. <laughs> Joel told me this years after he'd graduated from college, and he said, Did, I never told you why I went into the ministry. He said, when you drove, I went to the window and saw your German sports car going down the street. He said, whatever he is, I'm going to be. Uh, Joel Luz has been published many times. Uh, he's a pastor at a church in Melbourne to this day. And he calls me from time to time. And the last time he called me, he goes, look, because I don't know what, what you're doing, where you're at. He goes, oh, but I want you to know that thousands have come to the Lord. because of that cake he got attention someone listened to him someone cared the in Corinthians Paul is getting on to the different believers because they said listen you're saying you're from Apollos that he's your man some of you are saying you're of me Paul because I'm your man because this is that's, that's so worldly he goes, spiritually, one waters, one plants the seed, and I want you to know that's true. But when, you, when you're fishing, you're in the world, and you attract people to you because you care, you give them attention. They feel secure in that. Oh, my. Been doing too much time. Here, here's a, three things that, just jump out at you a sense of security when someone comes in with authority when someone says I want I want to spend time with you there's security there's attention you give them attention people need to be heard they need a voice and there's an emotional connection that's community they need friends I'm going to just mention in Timothy Second Timothy, Timothy's, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy. And see if you get the emotion, the feeling here. To Timothy, my dear son. Some of you right now would love to have someone that you respect write you a letter and refers to you as my dear daughter, my beloved son. Grace and mercy, peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as day, night and day I constantly remember you. I remember you in my prayers day and night. Not just, oh, well, I pray for you every day. No, this is day and night. Recalling your tears, I remember your story. I listened to you, and I remembered it. I'm valuing you. Recalling your tears, I longed to see you. There's probably people in this room that 
You're going right now. I didn't realize it, but I'm hungry for that. I'm hungry for someone to come along and say, I remember your story. I remember your tears, and I pray for you night and day. I so long to be with you. Because when, I, when, when you're with me, it brings me joy. Just for time's sake, we're going to... I mean, it keeps on going. I remember this sincere faith. It talks about its faith. And it goes on and says, join me. Uh, Jim and Tammy Elliott, just yesterday, uh, just yesterday, they... they uh, last month they put a handwritten sign in their front yard block party neighborhood party because they've been listening to these messages and going people really hungry to get together are they <clears throat> sprinkler came on and said all the ink ran on it because it was the saddest looking sign you ever seen well yesterday 36 neighbors showed up with it and 11 children And they go, we got to do this again because they said, they all said, so-and-so couldn't make it, but they were wanting to come. They couldn't. And said, they talked. They talked and they talked and they talked. So we thought, man, who's going to talk? Who's going to throw the conversation out there? He said, we couldn't get these people to leave. So they brought so much food. It was like the loaves and the fishes. This much food came, but this much food went back. It was just huge. And they, they said, oh, you're this person. They wore name tags. Last year, the Fergusons, are you in here? Are you, they're always working somewhere around here. And I just asked him out back in, in the green room. I said, so how many people came last year for your, because they opened their house for uh, Easter and Christmas. I mean, excuse me, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And they go, well, because um, Thanksgiving was, we had... Uh, 50 or 60 people Thanksgiving I go what you're still married <laughs> he goes oh no he goes Christmas we had 400 I'd say they had the right bait what I want to do Twenty-five percent of U.S. households are single parents. That's thirty-three million. Thirty-three million households, and I'm not talking about to just cast for children. Because here's what I'm thinking of: that's from seventeen, the age of seventeen, down to one. What happened to those? 33 million that have grown up and now they're 30 they're still the products of a broken home a single parent home they've not been mothered they've not been nurtured they've, they've not had the, uh, the security of a loving father but they're adults now I would easily say that there's 60 million easy people out there that have not gotten attention who's not experienced authority in their life, someone to care for them, to hear them. The Bible says the field is wiped with harvest. 
but I don't have any workers. I'm not, people say, you must be an evangelist. I said, no, I'm a fisherman. I can see where the fish are. I can see what they're hungry for. And if I have to change bait, I change bait. And if they need to, they, they need to run, they run, but I lure them back because I'm fishing at the right time and the right place. I don't know if it's a gift or something, a muscle that you exercise, but the ability to see where the fish are, the ability to read and understand what it is they're hungry for. The question you need to you know, interject in the relationship to get them to talk, to make them feel. I don't know if it's a gift or a scale that's on our eyes that we can't see it. I can see it. When I have you stand up, I want to pray for those who say, Holy Spirit, take the scale off my eyes. I want to see where they're at, what they're hungry for, and be able to cast my line with the right bait. Let's stand. If you're interested in something like that, because it's scary, but guess what? You get to practice, practice, practice. We fish and don't catch anything, and it's a good day. But it's really good when you catch something. If you're here and you want that, just raise your hand. We're asking the Lord. I'm, I'm praying especially for those who said, take this. Let me see the need. Let me see the fish. Let me find the right bait. Father, for those who have raised their hand, make them fisher of men. Fishers of men. To see the need, to see where they're at. To know what they're hungry for and ask that question. Do we hook them? Give us the grace to let them run. And the attention to when they stop, we can slowly reel them in without breaking the line of the relationship. Oh, Father, the need is great. Regardless of the age, the brokenness we walk with all our life from our childhood. Father, once again, send them. Remove the scales. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.